Okay, you want a level test or something? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. So I go to the local community gym around the corner called Kingsley Association. Okay, all right. And the only reason why I go is because they have a, a swimming pool. And so I like to take a dip in there every now oh, and then. Oh, nice. Because you can't really find a swimming pool year-round here in Pittsburgh. Not easily. Not easily, <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's why I'm there. But the funny thing is, is that the majority of the membership there are all like uh, senior citizens. Oh, okay. <laughs> <And so>> uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So when I'm at the gym, uh, there are these senior citizens just pumping weights, you know, and it's just, <laughs> 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 it's just like. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's great motivation, though. That's, that's competition. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually currently uh, nursing, nursing an injury. and so Yes, I know about that. How are you doing? Oh, it's so slow, Linda. It's very slow. It's so slow. It's very yeah. slow. Yeah, I know. I have so much respect for uh, these guys, that uh, like these professional athletes that literally yeah. get knocked out. And they go through therapy for six months and come yeah. back. And it's like, it, that's the most incredible. I never realized the extent through which your body can literally go from z- like hero to zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's, am- it's amazing. It is. Yeah. And, and they're, they're getting like intensive therapy, you know. Right, right. I mean, the, the kind of both technology and knowledge yeah. that's available for people who are going through that uh, physical therapy yeah. is, is just astounding. It um, is. And, and uh, I can see why physical therapists are trained professionals they really are oh gosh yeah they're incredible well patience you'll get there <coughs> thank you linda um how are you doing i'm doing good <laughs> <sighs> doing good here we are yeah yeah so uh boy we had such a nice conversation last yes time. we did mm-hmm. yeah we did it was it was real nice and easy i yeah. like when uh it's just a wonderful thing when you meet someone and and the uh, conversation flows so we'll yeah. see how it goes today yeah that's <laughs> just gonna go terrible is <laughs> we didn't have microphones in front of our faces then but yeah yeah so uh i told my wife that i was talking with you today oh and, and she was like oh what you do i'm like she's a biochemist turned artist <laughs> turned <laughs> entrepreneur and you have such an interesting story and a background yes uh, it's it's i i could correct you on that i'm not yeah. a biochemist oh i know oh, that's what i that's what i uh refer to you as to my wife oh okay yeah just to kind of pump up the oh, conversation to pump it up i like it yeah okay but i do have a great appreciation <coughs> and understanding of biology being an artist and i'm married to a scientist and a biophysics and biochemist so. yeah yeah and, and you so by affiliation and you came into art in such a different way than I think most people would ascribe. At least I would ascribe. Yes. You know? Yes. I think of artists coming into art like you know, really angst-ridden with severe <laughs> depression, <laughs> lots of trauma. You know what I mean? And uh, but you came into it also really late too. So you have such an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, angst. I got a little of that. I think that dri- helps drive things uh, because when you have angst, you're generally very, very aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Angst comes out of awareness, I believe, yeah. and maybe too much, you know, Can be uh, reflection, yeah. too much perseveration, if we may. Yeah, but angst also uh, keeps you on your toes. It does. Yeah. It, uh, you know, uh, used appropriately, it, it could keep you moving. But yeah, um, so I, uh, I was really um, groomed to take over the family business, which was heavy duty truck refrigeration. So, uh, you know, but, but, uh, so I did that for for some time, and uh, you know began having the the sort of cognitive disson- dissonance, and the, the almost out of body experience seeing myself in an in the office like while I was pitching a truck body to somebody saying seriously this is what you're doing with the rest of your life yeah 
So, uh, but this was your dad's company. This was my dad's business. And what was it called? And uh, it's Thermo King. Thermo. Uh, Thermo King of Pittsburgh, which is still Thermo King of Pittsburgh. They used to call me Thermo Queen. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, this is yeah. this is in the uh, early <laughs> '80s, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I still see signs for them. Oh yeah, it's still an ongoing concern. I'm the one who who got out. <laughs> mm, you're the defector. I'm the defector, exactly. Mm. Which wasn't with its own share of uh, of you know sort of. Angst, you could use that word, but mm-hmm. uh, but or uh, drama, drama, and and also, it was a jump because when I made the jump, I was like, I'm going to be an artist, but I couldn't call myself an artist at that point. I I didn't feel that I had earned it. You know, I'd always had this lifelong interest that I think comes back to to being a child and being outdoors all the time and just observing everything. You know, the way sticks and different kinds of sticks and mm-hmm. ants and. Uh, you know, leaves and And you always whatever. had that curiosity. Always, always did. Always found that a place of, you know, always found that being out in the outdoors and observing that, that deep concentration uh, and focus that comes from, uh, well, where does it come from? Well, I had that. I guess mm-hmm. I, I had that. Um <clears throat> And did to you be a source of, 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 of calm and, and, and also just uh, stimulation. And Linda, did you feel that you were confined when you were at Thermo King uh, yeah, very and that you very weren't so. able to really pursue your curiosities and your dreams and your childhood memories yeah it was it was very much like uh, the the awareness that this is like all I have for a life mm. I'm, I'm not a big believer in second chances or afterlife mm. necessarily uh, <clears throat> even at that even at a young age uh, I was, you know, I brought up in the Catholic faith, and I remember at the age of 11 having, again, this sort of one of the pivotal moments in my life where we're out on the playground, and I, and I sort of felt myself separate, like, all of a sudden from everything and sort of looking at it and saying, I, I just, this does not seem, I'm a spiritual person. I, I just felt that uh, I had this kind of revelation, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. revelatory experience. Mm-hmm. That um, that what I was experiencing in in this organized religion was more about power and oppression mm. than it was about the teachings, which were really good. Boy, that's a the huge teachings of Jesus. That's a huge burden to bear. Well, it was weird. <laughs> you got it centuries of that on your shoulders. Yeah, it was really weird yeah. kind of experience, mm-hmm. and and I remember feeling very alone and and at that at that point in time. Mm. Uh, and how old were you? I was about 11. Oh, my goodness. 11 or, yeah, you had this profound thought when you were 11 years old? I was around, el- yeah, it was. I was in 6th s- or 7th grade. God. So whatever that makes it. I was contending with how to uh, not eat broccoli at the dinner table. That was my biggest <laughs> thought. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're thinking about I actually liked broccoli, so <laughs> maybe that was the key. Yeah. See, I started broccoli at a young age. I uh, see, yeah. You see, you were progressing that a lot That could have been it, man. That could have been it. Mm, mm. <laughs> but you know, Linda, uh, your dad had, for all intents and purposes, or still, uh, I guess, does? Yes. Uh, a very successful business. Yes. Right? And yes. in the refrigeration business. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would kill to be in a position where they could take over a family business that's successful. Yeah. And not have to worry about and contend with doing new things, being entrepreneurial, and going into a new industry. Do you know what I mean? Did your dad yeah. 
want to groom you? Like, was that his vision for you? Yeah, he he really wanted me to take over the company. And uh, w- the interesting thing is that I think his own words are what uh, what what brought me to make the choice to leave mm. because he always said, if you dream it, you can do it. And I'm sure he, I, I don't think that he's the first one who said that, yeah. but you know, maybe he was the first one that I heard say that mm-hmm. uh, since a very early age. And he always taught this kind of confidence that you just, if you can vision it, then you can, you can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what kind of I think gave me the courage. I was like, and in fact, I remember telling him, I was like, dad, you know, you always told me this and I, and I've got this it's dream his fault, yeah. and I've exactly. <laughs> and I, I'd been wanting to, to, you know, explore this, this area of, of create uh-huh. creation, creativity. Yeah. Uh, and I had been all my life, but it was always made more secondary. There was no tradition of arts in our family. Like so many people, you know, uh, lower middle class i would say at mm-hmm. the at, at the, the early part right because starting the business sure. from scratch that was the yeah. he started the business at the very beginning of tra- uh, transport refrigeration um. so you know when it was really becoming commercialized yeah not the very beginning but when it was really becoming commercialized sure. so um and it wasn't from lack of trying though you really gave it a good effort though didn't you uh, in the biz- in the family business, you oh, stayed I did. in for a while. I it's did. Not, it's not like you had a rebellious moment at eleven years old and said, "Dad, <laughs> f this," and then left. No, right? I wanted I mean, to be the good daughter, you know, uh, and I also felt the weight of the family legacy. You know, mm-hmm. when you family business is a tough thing. Sure. Um, and I and you know you hear all the stories that people have of uh, conflict once you get in there and everything. And I, I think our family has actually done quite well in that respect, but. But uh, you, you're still going to have that. And um, uh, the business, you know, I did do quite well. In fact, I was an overachiever in the business to make up for the fact that I was a woman. Right. You know, I still remember those, oh, uh, I can imagine. those visits those to the Port Authority bus garage. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, as, as a 22-year-old. Yeah. yeah, this is know? the pre-Me pre Too movement. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very pre and I think the only one of the things that was on my side is that I did wear a business suit at that time, you mm-hmm. know, um, and I carried a clipboard mm-hmm. because I was going in there to spec out a truck body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd had a form and, that, and, and I, was, I was in there to take measurements and all this stuff. So when I would get on site. Uh, and how old were you? I was about 22. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Young female, y- yes. right? In in a totally male dominated industry. Oh yes, Port Authority bus garages. Yeah. It's it's a it's a lot of guys. Yeah. And and you know you walk down this central uh, island in the garage or this corridor in the garage, and there's you know just guys on both sides. Everybody stops. But the thing that I think what that that actually helped me a, a little bit is they always thought I was the ocean inspector. Uh. <laughs> With the clipboard, <laughs> Did you, you know, hard I had, hat and I had that, well, I had the clipboard and the suit, you know, yeah. coming through the bus garage. Yeah. So they're like, oh. OSHA, you know. <laughs> so and, and did you feel the need that you had to overcompensate and really know your shit, like because oh gosh, of yeah. the fact that the role that you played? Absolutely. Yeah. And you uh, knew your shit, didn't you? Linda? And I did. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, they the uh, salesman there when I stopped by every now and then, one of them will make some uh, some uh, funny remark about. Uh, how their customers are still, still saying, well, Linda used to do heat load calculations. I'm not sure you've got the, you know, this isn't the right unit. Maybe I can go down a size, do a heat load calculation. They're like, you know what you've done to us? Now we're doing heat load calculations. <laughs> and that was, that was, you know, a little bit of my overcompensating. I used to. Yeah. 
I used to get all the variables, the door openings, you know, and, yeah. and the, the, the cargo and, and yeah. all that stuff and, and then do a heat load calculation. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of it also is uh, derived from the fact that you really can't control people however you want to, you know, like even if uh, Michael Jordan's son, right? As I think a philosopher posited a, uh, like a, th- a thought experiment that you, you know, if Michael Jordan's son decided that he wanted to be a violinist, you can't control a guy, kid to be a basketball player, you know, because everybody is autonomous. Well, that's true. But how many people have you known who have allowed themselves to be controlled by other people's uh, preconceptions of what they should be right. and how they should be. Right. Um, and, you know, when I see that, um, I, I see so many of those people, they don't end up well in life. Right. Um, yeah. And it's and it comes out later it, in life. It, it comes out later in life, yeah. and it comes out in many different ways. Uh, it seems to come out in depression uh, and, and many times illness, you know. Yeah. Um, digestive illnesses right i mean the gastro oh, and gosh. so you know i've seen that i've seen that in my own family so. yeah yeah you know i i it, it sometimes it's a uh, hard to really contend with because many of the times the people that surround you and support you are they really have good intentions oh they do it's not like you know like my mother all she ever wanted was for me to become a doctor you know, going oh, going through the course. whole Asian immigrant yes. mentality. Yeah, you know, I gave it a good effort. I really did. I was yeah. pre med at NYU. I took the MCATs, applied to med school, and I everything just, the way you're checking off all the that's boxes. Exactly right. And looking back in on it now, I wish I had the wherewithal and the independence to have had. You know, the, the but you did a, a much later in life. Yeah, and it came back well. terribly, just like you said, through drug addictions yeah. and yeah. a lot of activities that I couldn't understand about myself yeah. until it had to come full circle. Yeah, it it know. surfaces like a like an old right. <laughs> oh gosh, blister like an, or something. Like an old cancer, old cancer. Yeah, yeah exactly. it comes to the surface, yeah, and yeah. it brings it all and it does take a lot of work. Oh god, and every day too, you yeah. know, it's like a process of recovery. Yeah. But the thing is you can't like the the more you try to blame things upon the very origins of where this started from, it it's just, it's a mood effect. It's a moot point, you know? It because, is a moot point. Cuz your mother still loves you. Yes. And what are you going to do? You can't go back. Absolutely. And and you know the same thing like seriously, art that's not a real good career if you're going to put a roof over your head. There's so few oh, people who do it. How many times have you heard that? Yeah. I mean, there's so few people who do it. There are, you know, what I'm I'm just so impressed with in Pittsburgh that there are so many um you know, young artists and middle-aged artists and older artists who who have really been able to you know, find that way to make it happen. Now, generally, it does mean that you're a juggler. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you're, you've got your, you know, you've got your gigs. Yes. Um, and then you've got your art. So, I, I am lucky in that I met a partner early on. That um, he himself wanted to be an artist, and and uh, you know, as I told you, he's an impressive guy. He's he's got. Uh, he, He's just an amazing guy. He's got PhDs. He's got, he's got a law degree. But he wanted to be an artist. And he told me, I realized at the age of, you know, around 18 or so, that it would be such a, a, a path of, of despair. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, I didn't feel that I could, be, I could be good enough to actually pull it off. Yeah. So he actually, I, you know, he made a decision at a very early age and, and went with, science which uh 
takes a, he's very creative so it's a lot of creativity in his respect mm-hmm. as well he's applying his creativity that way oh I bet uh, he sounds really impressive and I absolutely want to hear more about him but what happened after you decided to leave Thermo King was it also a dramatic moment I see sort of an ending to a movie that transitions into part two here. Yes. Yes. Oh, so I had I, I really had an identity crisis. I had an anxiety crisis for a while that I had to fight because, yeah. you know, who am I to say I'm an artist? In fact, I didn't for about 10 years. Well, did you really. do art on the side? Like as I always hobby? did as yes, I always did. Uh, my desk blotter at Thermo King was notorious for being crazy, just uh, sort of evolving a uh, spectacle of line drawings that the salesman used to kid me about. They were like, what is that shit you got going on there? Yeah. I don't know, Linda. Um, but, and I painted, mm. you know, I was, I, I was, <laughs> this is funny. When I was uh, 13 or so, uh-huh. I was in a painting group. I was the youngest, of course. Most of the ladies were in their 40s and over. Oh, gosh. And right. it was in someone's ba- basement, and her name was Patty Painter. I'm not lying. And her maiden name really? was Pitcher. <laughs> so this is like, like... This is pre-Instagram days. This is who's this writing this, this script, <laughs> you know? This was Patty Pitcher Painter. Uh, yeah. And we would all paint the one landscape a yes. la Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. And... Um, happy little trees. Happy little trees. And it was just, it was just wonderful. Yeah. It was great. And But the funny thing was, I love those. I, I look forward to that every week. It was like on a Wednesday night. And, you know, when I think back at it now, that I was so hyper-stimulated, and I still have this. I'm, I am a very hyper, easy to get into sort of a hyper-stimulated mode. And I think that uh, drives my work and my production, but it also um, sometimes has the an edge to it that goes too far. But back in back in that day, yeah. I but Linda, your hyper-stimulation that you describe comes from within. It's not like you find it from outside, uh, right? Yeah, that is true. That is true. And then getting because back to these painting sessions, though, right. I think it was <clears throat> it was augmented by the fact that that was in the days before the right. uh, low solvent uh, turpentine. Oh. <laughs> And we were in this little basement. Just being high as all. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were in a little basement with a, with a low drop ceiling. Any air And everybody's off gassing turpentine, you know. And by the end of the day, every, they always they always brought all this food. I remember at a certain point, everyone would stop painting and just start eating. Yeah. This is getting munchies. <laughs> and I'd go home and I'd have like swirlies all night, you know. Yeah, that's right. Anyways. Uh, but no, it, I've, I've always... I've, I've always been sort of someone with the sort of heightened senses. Mm. So my hearing... My seeing, mm, yeah. Mm. So that works to to uh, to you know. I apply that in the work. What about your imagination? Yeah, that all feeds into. It that. all goes in. It all feeds into. I that. love long drives. Oh, I do too. Oh, I love it. You know, I <sighs> love at thirty like anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour is like a perfect long drive just by myself, no radio, oh, no yeah. phone calls. And just on the freeway or the highway. There's that horizon, right? The, oh and or gosh, yeah. It's always that 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 and and that there's that release that in between space, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, liminal space between That's here right. or there. It's, it's in amazing. between. Yeah, and it's like very a, fertile it's ground. Like, yeah, it's like in a flow, and it takes some time to get there. Like the first five ten minutes, you're kind of flubbing around and driving and getting onto the highway. Yeah. But then like once you're on there for a few minutes and you let your brain waves kind of low itself to the frequency of imaginative thought. I think it is all. It's, yes, it it's is It's amazing. The waves, and yeah. that's when the imaginations come. And I struggle a lot because when the ideas come into my head at that time, I want to continue the idea. 
versus I want to jot down the idea on yeah. my phone or something and I don't want to break it. And yeah. so it, it, because at the end of the journey, sometimes I'll have forgotten what it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, uh, what I've found, I will jot things down. But what I've found is that the ideas that are the most important to your being and, and are the ones that are sort of the root of your creation they keep recurring mm. uh those those perceptions or observations That's a really good point yeah that, that you might you might get a different slot you're getting different slices there's you know those those awarenesses or, yeah. or, or realizations or or ideas mm. whatever you want to call them um are um are coming up they're prompted by different things that you're seeing or thinking or yeah. and when you're in that state yeah. just that but but there, there, there's a root there that pulls them together. So, Linda, so should a person, I, I, if things are, if a person is drawn upon an idea or a concept or a passion throughout their entire lives, mm. should they find a way to enact upon those passions in some way, shape, or form? Oh, gosh, is I that, think I, so. Is that a must in life? I think it is. I think giving yourself <clears throat> permission. Mm. This is, seems to be something because, you yeah. know, the, the process of turning into a, an adult from a childhood is a, is really a lot of no's and limits and you know barriers uh, uh, barriers yeah, yeah the, uh, <coughs> this is what you do this is what you don't do and there's a lot of what you don't do's in yes. there you know right um, well it's all it's all don't do's when you're coming up right? yeah exactly and uh, I I uh, really do feel like that's that you know that's the path to self actualization is actually first having an awareness of what it is that drives you, right. um, that brings you joy, and that stimulates uh, really creation. Whatever it could be, creation could you know it, your own kind of creation that could be in a vegetable garden, right. that could be cooking, that could be singing, dancing, right. painting, writing. There are so many things, but those are the real things, mm. you know. Um, we we tend to uh, our society and culture ascribe so much value to the things that make money right and the things that make money are the mean or you know that's production that's that's things that are that are easily saleable and i i really you know i have this vision in my mind of a future that involves exchange uh of of thoughts and ideas and the value being ascribed to to that as much as to products and services, mm. you know. Um, you know, in some degree, art is that. It yes, right because the yes, idea of the artist and their creation is a value that is really not in any way, shape, or form logical in some ways, and the ideas is, are sold and bought by people who appreciate those ideas. Yeah, I think that that not to speak for all artists, but I think that. You could find this this thread, and if you talk to most artists, that what you're trying to do is share your experience of the world in the hopes that others' experience of the world will open up a little more uh, and become richer. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's through you know, uh, something that's so outside the norm just to like, you know, just to make somebody go, whoa, I couldn't even imagine. First of all, I'd never think like that, but wow, that thought exists. Mm. You know, just the fact that it exists sort of opens up, you're sort of broadening the spectrum of one's uh, 
perception and mode of thought. That's why I've I've. Uh, oh, that's why I love going to art galleries. Yeah. You know, because there there are things that you just didn't realize, doorways and pathways inside of your brain that you didn't realize that you could even appreciate or even think about. You know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going to just even regular galleries or art museums, they're so amazing. And we should always support those guys. Yeah, you know. You, uh, you look, enough with the Kardashians sometimes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> you know, enough with the politics. Go free your mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what made you have the confidence to leave the family business then? You know, was <coughs> it confidence or was it that I sensed... Um, Oh gosh, you know, this is funny because the word that's com- the, the phrase that's coming to mind my my future impending doom <laughs> and, and and by that I mean just sort of a shriveling up yeah of of my uh, of my vision mm-hmm. you know because <clears throat> you know that's a nuts and bolts business and I still I actually have I I learned a lot and you know to this day uh, I'm I'm quite uh, good at accounting and yes. I do that for Scotts business right now until mm-hmm. I get fired which is a planned event <laughs> you know that's a future Scott as he grows your, Scott's, your Scott's husband. my husband yeah, yeah. Um, and you have a new business venture with him yes right yes which is really well, amazing and I am really really uh, beyond tertiary I mean I'm, I'm really uh, uh, out there in terms of uh, I'm support and I, and yeah. we discuss a lot of ideas but yes he is uh, doing a biotech startup uh, drug discovery biotech startup uh, does it have a name yes sharp Edge Labs, which is probably going to undergo a little change, mm-hmm. but but uh, Sharp TX, which is uh, uh, therapeutics, that's the abbreviation, like oh RX is prescription, gotcha. TX is therapeutics, which I kind of like because that's Sharp Tax. <laughs> you know, that's if you were to say it, read it out, yes. Sharp Tax. But uh, so, yeah, I, I, I do find, uh, you know, uh, that there is a grounding in... You know, when you're an artist, there's a lot of uncertainty. Oh and gosh. one day you think something is just amazing, you know, or, yeah. or not even that. Maybe I'm not really that hyperbolic in the studio. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is good. Yeah, okay. Next day you come in and, you know what? That's not so good. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just... <laughs> so, and, and, there, and there's really no... Well, there are... The, let's just say that the, the measure of good is a lot more subjective and and there are certainly criteria you could pin it down right uh, to an extent but then again you know do you really want to be doing work that everybody thinks is good and nice or do you want to do work that people actually like you know i mean or or speaks to you really yeah well well you know so a lot of my work really seems to be about the 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 collision of forces Mm -hmm. you know i'm 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 somebody who's always interested in sort of ri- resolving the bi- binary opposition. Right. Um, and you can see that in your work. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you can. But but you know, there's a lot of tension, a lot of conflict in this sort of this sort of pushing together of, the, of this meeting of the bi- of binary thought. You could see that in our political system. We don't have to <laughs> go yes. very far to see it. Um, and I do feel that there's a higher plane resolution. And that's what I'm looking for, whether it, you know, whether I'm doing it on the basis of color theory in the work or the way that the line is being handled, the language of the, of my mark making, or when I'm doing video in the content of, of the content of the video. Yeah. Um, and did it evolve this way, Linda, or did you have this as a 
curious thoughts when you started out? When well, you, when yeah, so that's a good question. Yeah. So, so, so when you decide to become an artist, yeah. was this the, the journey and the inquiry that you wanted to resolve in your life? Yeah, I, well, I, I would say this is how it started. Um, my work is grounded in the landscape. And, um, you know, all the way back to Patty... Patty the Patty, painter, yeah. Patty the painter's uh, basement sessions. Uh, we were doing landscapes, right? Oh dear! <laughs> there she is. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so really, I started grounded in the landscape, and then you did ask me a question that I never answered, and that was, how did I make the transition? Well, Scott and I had discussed discussions uh, w- going back to Thermo King and and he realized that I was unhappy and he was graduating from grad school and there was an opportunity in Connecticut and he said I will stay here and I will find something here if you want to do this. oh what a nice guy oh gosh I know what's his number I'll I know really <laughs> really <laughs> I want to text him <laughs> you don't find nice guys like that anymore no who's he think he is I, I well you know what he's showing he, up all the other he's, guys he's amazing he's yeah. amazing and I said you know what no we got to go let's go mm. so we moved to Connecticut and this was the Connecticut River Valley we were outside of Mystic Connecticut oh nice area everyone knows Mystic Pizza yeah, that's right and uh there there happened to be an academy there the Lyme Academy of Fine Arts and uh, this was a traditional painting academy and s- painting and sculpture academy Ooh. that was really uh, sort of looked to the Beaux Arts, the f- you know uh, schools tradition. Yes, and so it was. And still life's oil. Still Atkinson. life, long forms, uh, you know, uh, long s- forms, uh, figure poses oh, uh, yeah. over. Over days, sometimes the yeah. same pose set up. I love that because you know the peeling away of the onion skin. The sure. more you s- look at something, the more you begin to understand and see, and the it's heightening yeah. of your 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 seeing. It's amazing though that, that these academies, most people don't realize they still exist. They do I, still I, exist, and they're in high regard. Yes, but it takes years of dedication. Yes, for it, you to really come out ahead of this thing, you know, and really learn from them. It it, it really it really does. Yeah. And and I uh, you know so I was in there um, and I so. I had a really strong foundation at that point, uh, and we did landscape mm, painting. I didn't, out I didn't know this plain about air you. landscape yeah. painting out in the marshes. Oh wow! Uh, with the ticks and the <laughs> and the mosquitoes yes. and the sunstroke. You were really um, in the trenches there. Oh yeah, it was just the best, <coughs> one of the best periods of my life because day by day I could feel my perception opening. Right. And not uh, to mention your skill sets and and my skill sets increasing. coming along. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so that was that was really wonderful. Um, and uh, but I, I did stand, you know, I, I, I saw that and I realized I was not going to become a traditional painter. In fact, I used to sometimes get some critique because I was painting all the infrastructure of the room around the model as well and the heater you know the glow of the heater <laughs> that was there and, <laughs> and as well as you know just focusing on the figure so I, I realized yeah. that I had some sort of a different vision so we uh, then moved to Boston Scott uh, took an opportunity there in a biotech company in Boston and there's where I went to the museum school uh, which is the museum school of fine arts associated associated with the museum of fine arts mm-hmm. of Boston and that was like do what you want to do kind of school. It was really intense. Mm. It was uh, um, were you on conceptually a very critical. Mm, were you on a fellowship there, or was it a just a school no. where you enrolled? Yes, is where I enrolled. 
So and your education really took you to different places with different philosophies. Yes, this mm. was kind of the opposite. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say the opposite, but it was non, really heavy concept. Yeah. It was non-traditional. And there I was in a painting studio, but I was also taking sound art. And, you know, that's where I, I began Man, Linda, to you were so dedicated to this field. <laughs> I, you know, I actually did not know this about you. I didn't realize uh, that you had such a traditional background yeah. in art. Uh, this is uh, big... Uh, I mean, do you think that everybody in art should take some degree and measure to really learn the traditional aspects of art? I'm a real big advocate of that yeah, mm-hmm. because it's just like learning your scales as a musician. Yeah, right. Um, you know, getting grounded in color theory. Or accounting in, 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 in business or any, anything, any field. Yes. Get the fundamentals down. Anything, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you mean and, YouTube, and YouTube isn't going to cut? Uh, well, you know what? Could, that might be one. Could, that yeah. might be one. You know, it takes it takes drive too, because right. uh, you need to sit yourself down. Yeah. And you know, you're going to have a lot of failure, and you're going to paint wow, ten thousand yeah. really crappy pieces of work. Right. So. <laughs> you know, I remember my phthalo blue period. Uh, <laughs> which was phthalo blue yeah it's it's you know it's a greasy pigment yeah. and it's very satisfying to put on and that color is so wonderful mm-hmm. but its greasiness will then cause it to permeate every color you mix it with mm. and then every color that lays on top of it until you have yourself what i used to term the phthalo blue nightmare it seems depressing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a nightmare that, yeah. it was a little nightmare yeah. so so i had you i know, you see had to it, go i'm visioning it in my head and i see it just kind of like oh gosh yeah and, canvas. and it's so funny you know that's what you see our early painters people who are just getting started they've got the phthalo blue nightmare yeah so so you've got to go through that and you've got to just keep persevering and it's and really that's just the way life is you know yeah you got to be a little bit of stubbornness that helps mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of you know i can know i could do better but just I keep pushing grit. yeah yeah so so then your uh scott has a job and position in boston and you are at the museum school and then at this stage in life, Linda, have you started to show any of your works or? Uh yeah, well, I remember uh, about a five-year period after school when I ran into one of my uh, professors on the street. And uh, he was like, how's it going? I was like, well, it's, it's kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because shortly after I mentioned, after I had that interaction, things started, things started happening for me. In, in, uh, in Boston, I was known primarily as an installation artist, and I really, you know, I, that had started in the museum school. I and was you, sti- and you still do it. And yes, I do. Yeah. What's um, the difference for our listeners? What's, a, what's an installation artist? Okay, so uh, an installation artist is somebody who manip- mu- manipulates, manip- manipulates, that's mm-hmm. a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Munip- manipulates space. That's a bas- the Baston speak. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Just a little twitch. Yeah. Um, manipulates space to create an experience for the viewer in three dimensions or four dimensions using time which I do in video although time is really also the the experience of moving through the space Mm -hmm. so you know there's a lot of different ways artists uh, sort of approach installation art Um, I've got some very good friends who are really known for being site-specific installation artists Mm. and what that means is that they're they're gonna if they have a an opportunity in a small museum or uh, some kind of gallery space, they're going to go in and they're going to probably look at the history around the site itself 
and they may bring uh, some of that history into the work that they create and then the work is created for that space specifically ah, so everything is designed it's a lot of thought that goes into a this. lot of thought that goes into it now um i myself i'm site specific in that um i really look to exploit or live in harmony with let's say the the features of a specific space but my work is not Generally, I haven't. I have when I've done collaborations, done work that was more tied to the place mm -hmm. of its of its crea uh, of of its uh, being shown, but it's really my own uh, story and nar yeah, story narrative interpretation. Maybe well, it <laughs> it's my own vision. I'm I'm always working towards this this uh, kind of goal to bring people into uh, heightening their senses bringing their powers of observation to the game and opening up how they see. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess some other themes that I have in the work are emergence. Mm -hmm. um, and, there, and emergence is really a, uh, an idea that's, that's come out of, jeez, uh, okay. What's the discipline? Physics? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've physics. Been, I've been listening a lot to astrophysics. Yeah. And uh, it's remarkable how you can take a look at the inner workings of our brain and, mm. and the neurons and the how they are constructed. And then when you go far, far out and look into the galaxies and the space outside, it has such remarkable similarities. Similarities, yes. And so um, I think Jana Lavin, she's a um, PhD, Columbia university uh, astrophysicist and i think she had said that there must be some principles that are tied to the very idea of uh emergent organizations yes that really are universal in nature from yes. macroscopic to <coughs> microscopic that that is that is a uh, uh, been a driver in my practice uh i would say Within, I, I began to become aware of that <coughs> shortly after grad, uh, leaving the museum school, uh, and I did some readings on uh, emergence. Uh, 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 what is it called? Emergent theory, mm -hmm. um, the theory of emergence, complexity theory. Mm -hmm. Theory, you know that that uh, systems, um, once they reach a certain level of complexity. There's kind of, a, a th you know, through the building of relationships between elements in, in a system. Right. An order seems to kind of fall out. Yeah. And that sort of takes the organism, if you will, mm -hmm. um, or the system to another level of complexity. Mm -hmm. um, so. What a fascinating topic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really. It's almost endless and boundless in the way you can interpret this. It, it is. Yeah. And you can see it in relationships with people. Oh, organizations. You can see businesses. it in the way the cities yeah. are constructed. Politics. You know, politics. I mm. mean, it, and it does jump across orders of magnitude as well really when you see these structures. Yeah. And so going back, you know, I think mm. being someone who was uh, uh, interested in the landscape and just looking in the landscape, just look at the way. Uh, in you know in any ecosystem, things fill the layers, and how there's this this sort of uh, synergy between the way things and competition, right. competition and and I don't want to use the word collaboration, but there's also a symbiosis uh, that you can see. You see both elements in a system, um, in in natural systems. Mm -hmm. um, 
But that is something that's uh, very interesting to me, to me and that, that is sort of in there in the work. So I hope you like the way I just jump all over the place. Oh, <laughs> no, it's I realize you ask a question and we go over here for a while and <laughs> over there for a while. But, uh, but it, uh, it, I love it's it. all related. I love it, yeah. Yeah, it's all part of the same pie. So then you're uh, doing installation work in Boston. Yes, uh, yes. And so uh, funny, back then I was known, I, I was using as my materials pipe cleaners and pom-poms. <laughs> really? Uh, so... <laughs> So this this was a playful. I uh, wonder you know, what I wonder what Patty the painter would say about this. I you know I she would probably applaud. I, I, bet, think, I yeah. think she might. I actually think Patty would. Yeah. Um, s- I I chose these elements because they work together. Mm-hmm. They could I could sort of form a system with them. You know a sure. pipe cleaner I could wrap around a pom pom. I could make structures out of the pipe cleaners and yeah. I and they, they would hold the pom poms. I I didn't use glue at that time. That was a big thing. It was like mm-hmm. no adhesive. Let's let's build this kind of this kind of system mm. that that in many ways emulated biologic systems yeah. but i but i was what all i was doing was sort of uh utilizing and exploiting the 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 uh characteristics of the materials that i was using so that's I what it was all about what yeah. can you do with this mm. it goes this way it goes this way it goes this way and really that's kind of what happened you know that that's complexity theory again right. y- you have these certain elements and they're all jumbling around together and and different uh different um <coughs> permutations different combinations like the in molecular structure sure. you know that's all you could see that with viruses yeah. right and that's how it, why we have problems with viruses these days. Yeah. They move very fast and oh, evolve, they and they try this, they try this, try, they try this, and they're like, okay, we've now beat <coughs> that antibiotic. That's right. You know, we're yeah. surviving now. Yeah. Um, it also has a duality to it because yeah. the traditional values of a pipe cleaner <laughs> would be a male, right, and then a <laughs> pom-pom with a female. It has <laughs> a really... <laughs> has that's a really funny. cool... Yes, you know, and, and, and really my work does... And they're both really aggressive. Does ad- yes, my work does address those themes as I well. The sexuality yeah. it runs through yeah. the work uh, as well because it's a, a basic. Thing. I see a future coffee shop that you and I are going to open up together. <laughs> you know what it's going to be called? <laughs> Go for it. Pipe cleaners and pom poms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So, so really, I was known as installation artist. I did. Uh, I worked with these materials, um, and I uh, did a lot of my practice. So, I, I sort of and, and view my practice. There's the solitary kind of monastic component, which is the studio component, um, and I really cherish that. And you have a studio here in Pittsburgh. And I do have a studio here in down Pittsburgh in Lawrenceville. In Lawrenceville, yeah. yes, yes, the Catalyst Building. The Catalyst Building. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, and you find solitude in there and yeah. zen, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I've always <laughs> also felt this kind of uh, drive to uh, connect with people with the work and do something collaborative. So mm. I've done, um, throughout my career, I've had residencies in spaces where I've had, you know done an installation and then opened up a part of it to visitor uh, participation. Mm-hmm. Uh, some and, and many times with me being there, mm. sort of a collaborative participatory sure. experience, and I always love those experiences. And it's an interesting um, 
on the one hand, I have this drive to do it, but it does cause a lot of stress and anxiety. Oh, yeah. Because um, you're going to deal with people. you got to deal with people. And I've, I've come to realize over the years. Yeah. Uh, and they all have their quirks. It, it's so annoying sometimes. Uh, yes, <laughs> these annoying like, people. Christ. Well, you know, I, I think for me, it's not even that. It is this really strong uh, uh, um, performance anxiety. I mm. want to do so well for people. I want them to really get something from the experience that I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm. And in fact, it was during a, a, a pretty intensive residency at, at, at uh, Mass MoCA, that's the, the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art out in the Berkshires mm -hmm. in Western Mass, that uh, this anxiety kind of came to a head and I went to a, a therapist for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. I had a friend I was talking to. And, and like, how old were you? I was probably about... Uh, gosh, wait a minute! I can do this. I was in my forties. In your forties, early for early forties, mm. I believe, because that was fifteen years ago. Mm. Yeah, and um, I I uh, said, you know, tell, I was just talking to her, and she's like, you know, go go talk to this this person of mine. Mm. So I go in there, and I because it, did the anxiety become unbearable in a way oh, it was I, debilitating? Uh, well, I. <laughs> It wasn't, it was becoming borderline debilitating mm. because I wasn't, uh, I was having uh, insomnia issues. Uh, and the thing with me is, I, boy, my insomnia, insomnia yeah, it, rough. it's rough. But for me, it was even kind of wacky because I get adrenaline when I have insomnia. Oh, I, yeah, I do too. Yeah. yeah. But it's a, it's, a it's a weird kind of chaotic, uh, unruly sort of energy. It is an unruly pervasive. energy, yeah. and it's not good. It's, yeah. it's not good for, do, for being in the, in the zen zone. That's right. That's right. So when, after I talked to this woman, she's like, oh, th she said, from everything you're telling me, number one, you're a person who likes to swim upstream. And number two, you're you're an uh, an extra you're an introvert with extroverted uh, social skills, hmm. with extrovert social skills, extroverted extrovert social mm -hmm. skills. And when she said that, that really clicked for me because my father is a complete extrovert, mm -hmm. loves people around him, loves to do stuff. And my mother was the opposite; uh. would rather just just be at home. And so I I learned that. So that's what always I think that that. That extroversion drives, and also the the desire to share, yeah, yeah, gets me to keep doing the collaborations, right, and and uh, and I think it's an important part of the practice. If it for me, very important. You know, I uh, I saw my therapist for the first time. I, well, I went through several therapists, um, and uh, I also found them in my early forties. And this was a few years ago. And now I realize that why didn't I fucking look for a therapist <laughs> earlier in my life? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took time to yeah. get to find yeah. the right therapist. Because just like everybody and everything else, there are some good therapists and there are some terrible ones. Well, there are. And I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess you come from a family where therapy isn't a big thing. No, gosh. Yeah. No. Nobody did it. Buck up. Yeah. You know? That's right. Just and, and that time, too. Yeah. You know? And I remember uh, I remember in wrestling practice, uh, I got a concussion problem, like a really bad one. And my coach was like, get your butt up and wrestle, <laughs> you know? And that was just pervasive during the yeah. time that I grew up. Yeah. Even in my family. Oh, and, gosh, you know, yeah. It was just like, you fall down, you get up. Yeah. Eight, eight times, you know, you get up nine. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and I mean, there's yeah, some sort of yeah. romantic vision of yeah. that where you come out powerfully ahead. Yeah. But man. I think there's residue. Yeah, there's a lot of hidden things in there. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you had a good therapist, though. Well, I only went twice. Oh, man. You know, it's funny because it, that made so much sense to me. Yeah, it clicked. So it didn't, s- it didn't cure me. Mm. Of, but I'm able to say, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but I are we ever looking for cures, no, though, right? No, I, I, That's I think uh, we're looking for awareness, you know. Right. And, and, then, and then little by little you find... An acceptance. An right. acceptance, big thing. Yes. Big thing. Okay, this is what's happening. Well, is it any... <laughs> should I be surprised? No, you know, because look what happened here, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So you come back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, you know, Scott got got kind of antsy working for big biotech so he wanted to do his own thing mm. and uh and you played uh, a role yes in, in fact we even even back yes back in uh well the, his first idea we, we were still um in Salem. we were living in salem massachusetts mm-hmm. uh working in boston mm-hmm. commuting which is a joy that's a joyful thing, the Boston <laughs> commute. Yeah, that traffic is terrible. Oh man, I think back to those days, just grinding my teeth. You I know. mean, like to literally go from like one city center to another is a nightmare over there. Yeah. <laughs> this is a nightmare. There's no parking. The yeah. traffic is terrible. Yeah, my commute was anywhere from on a good day, hour fifteen to bad day, two and a half. And to it was probably like four and a half miles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Honestly, you can literally walk faster. I know, but. But uh, so 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 first, you know, Scott um, was developing kind of a, an idea for an internet um, interface that was uh, very user responsive mm. and interactive, and a crowd uh, kind of a crowd sourcing uh, website that was really all around learning how to to live within and be aware of your footprint and minimize your footprint on the planet and make good choices. But the, but the realization, so I was working with him on that, you know, trying to do, uh, looking at how we could market it and, and how we could raise funds. And, um, we pretty quickly came to the realization that we weren't, that Scott wasn't, didn't have the pedigree. He didn't have the secret handshake. He did not come out of that field. Yeah. So we really had an uphill battle. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of the ideas that he had, I see being implemented across uh, many different platforms yeah. now. Yeah. But um, so then, then he... But, see uh, th- but that's important though, Linda, because uh, when we are young, I think we feel sometimes that everything and the whole world is open to us. Mm. And to some degree it is, but until you have developed the proper skill sets... Yeah the networks, the connections, the yeah. invisible factors yeah. that are yeah. involved, yeah. even family roots, monetary support, all those oh things, education, yes. all those. If you don't have, yeah. let's say, out of 10 things or maybe even 50 things, if you don't have a majority of those things checked off, it, it, it is forever and ever close to you. Yes, it is. I mean, you could work like the Dickens for the next 10 years yeah. and really, really try to get into a particular industry where you had no background in to begin with. Yes. And it is possible to get in like that, but it takes dedication and effort. It takes a heck of a lot so and it's, but probably it's also more time than we had at that point. Right. And it's also, <laughs> important, it's also important to be aware of your own limitations yeah. and to say to yourselves, yeah. okay, like I've put in X amounts of hours and X amounts of time and effort and to, to move forward to the next stage is going to require an exponential amount that you don't really have the resources for. Yeah, the, you know, there there are some, 
life is going to put some hard things in front of you and you really need to sort of push and probe and and go in the direction you want to go but at a certain point you do need to step back and assess the situation right right. and there's always plan b c d e f g i mean how many letters we got you know we don't even restrict ourselves to letters reinvention is an invigorating uh, process. Right. It's scary, but it's but it's it really brings a lot. Yeah, and if you open your eyes, opportunities do come, and I they do come in the weirdest of all places that you may not have even expected. You know, that's it. So uh, there in yoga, there's a principle called intention. Hmm. You know, setting an intention. Um, I really and being open. Hmm. Those are two things. They sound a little nebulous. And at first I remember, you know, intention. This is not magical thinking. It's not like I think yeah. it and then it happens. Yeah. Like the secret or something, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Just my God. and you'll be a millionaire. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not that. Yeah. But what it is, is an openness and a searching. And, you know, when you are trying a venture, you are putting yourself out there and you're searching. And if you can keep putting yourself out there and keep searching, and, or let's just call it a, rather than searching, like you're, you know, it's like a desperate thing. You're 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 walking. You're 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 moving through yeah. space in an <clears throat> active way. That's right. Then yeah, things do tend to to come up. You're, you're, when your awareness is open, mm-hmm. you recognize things, and people recognize you. Yeah, there is. You know, I think more and more we will find out more about the the, the forms of communication beyond <clears throat> body language mm-hmm. that are just happening in our energy field. You know, sure. I don't mean to go way out there, but there is a lot to you know. The vibe you give off, right? Oh, you know, think, yeah. um, right. and when you're open and you're in that situation, I, you know, you recognize people. I, I remember walking through the streets of Boston, and you know, my my relatives would always say, I, I, you know, art studios are always in neighborhoods that have, you know, some elements of of uh, not danger, but you know, there's there's shit sure. happening. Well, shit it's goes, on the th- it's on the shit threshold. goes down. Yeah. You know. And so I, you know, th- throughout my life, I've had people say, "Oh, you know, you're concerned about that, or you're in. Where were you last night? You know, I'd be going to a gallery in Dorchester or something." Yeah. And what I noticed was that when you walk through a space and you're sort of open and aware, that I would make eye contact with people and people would smile, and you know, it's a very if you're closed and sort of moving through space, it's a very different experience right. than when you're aware. I'm not open saying you're universe, like la la la, but you know. When your intentions are good and you're, uh, there's something to that. Yes. Now, I still could have gotten mugged, but I never did. (laughs) But, you know, and I'm not saying this is how you prevent mugging, but but there's something about communication that happens. There's something there. I'm just going to leave it at that. I agree with you. I mean, I think we should always be aware of any risks that are around us, right? Whether physical or spiritual or monetary or all those things, right? Yes, yes. And you have to be somewhat conservative in those regards, right? But on the other hand, if you don't leave yourself open to the very ideas that may come from outside and without. Which is taking a risk. Which is taking a risk. Then you're not not really opening yourself to the world and the beauty that exists out there. Yes, I think always taking risks that you, you... can measure to you know that you have some awareness of you, yeah. ha- you should have an awareness of the risk but, but, see, I but f- taking I feel very risks l- is cool see i feel very lucky in life uh and grateful because uh despite the fact that you know we come from an immigrant family and we were fairly you know we weren't very poor but uh because we always had food on the tables yeah but we didn't come from means we certainly weren't middle class or anything we we're maybe lower lower middle class uh i've had opportunities simply because of the compassions and the character 
building uh, um, uh, lessons that my mother gave me as yeah. a single mom yeah. that allowed Having me a to stable family and yeah. to connect with friends uh, yeah. in college yes. who then subsequently uh, gave me uh, venues and contacts and places where I could find not only employment but places of learning and also meeting my wife and meeting that amazing family. I mean, these were moments that I now can look back on and really, really say that they were moments of opportunity yes. that I yes. know for a fact that it would not have been open to people had I been a closed-minded person you yes. know, and not necessarily yes. a growth-minded or an open-minded person. Now, I probably could have done a lot more with those particular opportunities. <laughs> well, we all could. <laughs> and I realize that now, too. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but I agree with you in every respect. Yeah, yeah. So then you come back to Pittsburgh. Yes. And uh, yes. And you yes, drop, uh, but you dropped this venture. Yes. So uh, so Scott uh, went to CMU. He's a graduate, and went back to science, the department there, and talked with the uh, the head of the 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 president of science. I don't know <laughs> what this title was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and said, "What's going on? Is there any interesting technologies coming out of the lab?" Mm. And there was mm. an interesting technology in, in uh, biosensors. Um, mm. s the, a, uh, this is a technology that allows uh, you sort of to view the movement of proteins in and out of the cell wall. Mm. And uh, is and Scott's Are we talking about like nanotechnology? Uh, well, no, it's actually biological technology oh, I see. Um, that's engineered to hook on to a protein mm -hmm. that traffics in and out of the cell wall. Mm. So there, are, there is a sort of a whole class of disease that are known, uh, are due to a defect in the trafficking of proteins in and out of the cell wall. Mm. Either the protein gets bunched up and crumbled up on the outside, misfolded, and can't get in, or once it gets in, in the process, it picks up what it needs to, and then some th a little defect in that a defect causes it to crumple up and can't get out, mm. resulting in cell destruction. And Alzheimer's is one of the best examples of, of that sort of a uh, cell trafficking disorder where the protein's stuck inside there, the plaque you hear about. I see. And our prote when proteins move in and out of cell walls, is that more of a passive process because of the solute concentrations within and without, or is it is it enabled via different enzymes and such? Yeah, I'd say it's a enabled. It's it's a machinery. Oh, I didn't you know. know. Okay. It, it's it's a machinery going on there. The machinery of the cell. MIT has an amazing. If anyone wants to look it up, there's a uh, uh, an animation that they made called "The Life of a Cell," hmm. and honestly, you will never look at. I mean, you'll just say, that's going on inside me? I can't even I believe Isn't it. Isn't that crazy? These, just crazy, you know, yeah. Very specific tasks. Literally billions of things literally doing going on. Specific yeah. tasks, specific tasks, like yeah, an amazing, uh, you know, production line. Right. So, yeah. So that's what Scott's uh, business and is so focused on. And so if there was a defect yeah. there, then the biotech would the sensor, The sensor would, would, would show. Uh, so, so really... It's it's a uh, fluorescence technology, which many people are uh, familiar with. In cancer, because yes, for like like a more passive process in stains. But this technology, a sensor will have one color on the outside and then a different color on the inside, and then and then again it'll change when it comes out. Okay. So you can see if uh, a compound you're putting, you can run these massive uh, massive array experiments on uh, patient stem cell and see if there's an impact if a compound is actually uh, having an impact on the defect, mm -hmm. either allowing the protein to get in or get out. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, so that's why we came back. And for me, um, I was a bit ambivalent uh, 
because I really had a strong community in Boston. And, you know, starting over again. Well, you were there for years. Yeah, we were there for 20 years. Oh, my goodness. And, and you were active in the arts community. I was very active, yeah. I didn't ever have to m- send out an application for a project. Yeah. I basically would get an email or a phone call, and that's the way I was just filled. I was busy all the time. So I didn't have to go, but, you know, I kind of got spoiled. I didn't have to go through, you know, putting the slides, you know, back then. The yeah. Well, then it was digital too. Um, Cause it was only five years ago that we moved. So, yeah. um, but, um, so coming back and having to start over um, was daunting. Plus I remember the Pittsburgh of my youth, you know. Right, not we, the Pittsburgh of now. Yeah, I mean, we left in 96 for Connecticut. No, 91. 91, or I think it was 91. For in 91, okay. Yeah, for, for Connecticut. I think I was starting high school then. <laughs> All right, don't remember that. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay, all right. Anyways, why do I use dates? When will I ever yeah. learn? <laughs> um, but I won't. Because uh, yeah. I can't help myself. <laughs> um, but, but uh, yeah, when, when, we, when I left, I mean, you know, I went through the Rust Belt thing, yes. you know, the, the collapse of the steel industry, right. the the depression, the psychic depression right, of the yeah, area. Right. You could probably just feel it in the oh, air. Oh yeah. Right? It must have been like Detroit. And you could see, see the air and feel the air and and see it in the air <laughs> and feel it in the air. So it's literally so yeah. it was all and that. probably for years after when you and left. Yeah, I know yeah. yeah. I mean there was still yes yeah, smokestacks. It's still belching. going on. Did you hear about oh, the, gosh, the yeah. coke plant in uh um Braddock? It it's is still uh, going on. You know, I've got my smell Pittsburgh. What do you, app. What do you, do you have this, Linda? We're still crazy, I right? No steel industry still building crap that's killing us in the neighborhood and these uh these construction workers in Braddock coming up with skin cancer that they haven't seen in anywhere else in the world. I mean, this uh, is what, 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 where are we? You know? I, I know. Well, that's, uh, that's the externalities of, of, uh, these things that we don't, you know, we try to bury. Yeah. And you can't do anything and you can't do anything about it because apparently they've bought the environmental credits. And so they're using that as an excuse to yeah. not, uh, to justify not putting in a new, uh, you know, air cleaner or something, whatever it costs. Yes. Apparently, it's a $600,000 machine they need or something. Yeah. It's fraught. It's all. <laughs> hey, but hey, Linda, it's just human lives, though. It is human. Yeah, Who cares, th- I know. You know. I know. It's just human lives. There's a lot of them. <laughs> and they're going uh. to keep, they're gonna come anyway. <laughs> we got a lot yeah, of them. They keep coming. The hits keep coming. I mean, so. there's literally billions of them. Come on. <laughs> we got extras. We got extras. Uh, so, so what a shock to the system. It's yeah, like almost, was it like a culture shock well, for you to okay, come back to Pittsburgh? Well, okay, but then... Happy and also to give up surprised. to give up all your things too, and all your contacts. Yeah, and, and my people. I love my people. They're still there. Yeah, <laughs> and I do go the visit. The and Baston, you know. All yeah, those I, I do. I do go do uh, visit uh, rather regularly. Yeah. But, but and you're uh, doing a show there too, aren't you? Yes, coming up in February, February. of 2020. Uh huh. Feminist futurism. That's not the title. That's the working concept. Gotcha. Um, so this is what's kind of fun about this is. This, you know, futurism really has kind of been the province of guys, right? And so what do guys do when they look to the future? They're like, well, how do we, you know, how do we exceed the body? How do we leave the body? How do we augment the body? How do we live forever? You know, how do we uh, upgrade our, our, uh, our uh, 
capabilities because what we got is not so much, yeah. you know. Build a big penile spaceship. Build big penile. <laughs> exactly. And so I myself have been thinking, okay, so like female, fem- f- feminine voice, what is that? Mm. And for me, mm. that's more of the reclaiming mm. of our connection to what we are as beings, as human beings as part of nature not as a part from nature because we lose a lot when we cut ourselves off and you know one of the things that we lose is really just the, even the recognition of our lifespan and how that and, and sort of coming to terms and to grips with it rather than denying mm. our mortality yes in, not embracing it per se but but um, reflecting on it and allowing that to help enrich the course of our lives. Mm. And, um, you know, what do we leave behind? And then the other thing that, that I think about is elevating the status of play. Um, you know, play is one of those things. Play for play's sake. Play for play's sake. Mm. Play for the sake of, and I'm talking serious play here. And that is when you get into that space of, 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 almost a meditative space of yeah. deep concentration That's right. That's right. and nothing and else exploration you're, you're not thinking about anything else no other yes. stresses in life just play yes deep concentration That's a nice place to be and exploration yeah. we need that more as adults we'll do better for our future if we spend more time in that state of state it's of it's serious hard to be play. in that space it is and yeah. that's what i so that's what i try to do in my uh when i do a, a collaborative component to the mm. exhibition i try to bring people into that space and mm. and i've been rather successful so it's it's really wait. exciting to me yeah. when when that happens mm. um so that's you know a, and in fact so that's subversive mm-hmm. uh you know Really, yeah, cause I it, cause it happens in a, in a kismetic way where you don't even expect it. Yes. And, and then once you come out of it, you're like, oh, oh, damn, what the hell is that? Like, I can't yeah. believe I was in that space. And maybe maybe what happened is mm. you changed the way you think a little bit. Yes. You opened up the well, way yeah, you, you think a to, little yeah. bit. And so so that's the kind of I love the fact that that, that that, you know, I think of it as this sort of subversive element, this very gentle, playful, this play as a subversive element you know to actually yes. open up and reignite a lot of the things you shut down or we're, and we're taught to shut down as a child your forms of expression and you also exhibit this in your paintings although you have a lot of duality in your paintings yeah but I, but i do yes i do yes um i i'm not i i don't my paintings really evolve out of the emergent. I do think of them as emergent, and and there's a playful element to the emergence. Mm-hmm. I mean, emergence really comes out of the, the two things. As I'm thinking about it, you could say that play facilitates emergence because if you've got all these different right. components, yeah. and in play you're exploring, how can I do this? Yes. How can I do that? Right. What happens if I do that? And it's what organic. If I do Everything that? is really organic. Yeah. Yeah. Then. You are sort of creating this kind of emergent order in the ex, you know in the process of development of a painting. Uh, so that's kind of how and reflection happens thereafter. Then, yeah, reflection is there in the pr- process, but awareness of what you've actually done usually is could be years later <laughs> of what you've actually done. Although, where I've gotten to the point so now, you I leave it all open. Yeah, mm. I, it it is left open, but I I always. 
there's always this kind of underlying drive of, of discomfort when I'm not where I want to be in a painting. Mm. So there are some things that... that um, Just don't mesh well. Yeah. It's not gelling. Yeah. And, and so what I've learned, mm. and I think that, that what happens with experience, you learn to actually kill something, bring it down, you know, like just obliterate something and bring it back up again fresh. And what, mm. what's interesting is that, uh, you know, when, you, when, when you're... I think this is a process of experience in painting. You get you get to a certain point of painting, and there's some parts of it you really like. You know, like I really like that blue thing. Yeah, that blue thing is so cool. <laughs> and then you know, you're changing everything else because there's something bothering you about the painting. You're keeping the blue thing, and at a certain point, you say, you know, I actually think the blue thing is the problem. <laughs> it's the damn thalo blue, is what it <laughs> is. <laughs> and it, and, uh, you know, so it coming could be back to 20 years ago. <laughs> it, exactly, or you know. It, so, so it, it's that awareness of saying, you know what, um, I got to just bring this down. I got to, I got to try again. And then the 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 marks that are underneath. Uh, sometimes I will get rid of them, but there, there's always some some memory in that painting yeah. that will that maybe was the actual original place you were going with it that you can then pull out on the second or third try. Yeah. So I, I tend to have works that sort of, sort of self-complete themselves mm. and, uh, and that I'm really thrilled with. And those, those are just, like, those are in a really special place in my mind. Yeah. And then I have sort of the, the, the opposite of that. So uh -huh. there's those binaries again. Um, like a work that is just a freaking work war in progress. Field. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's a war zone in there. Yeah. Put your hard hat on. You better you get roll ready up the when sleeves. you, yeah. We're going to get dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a uh, good, categorizations and dichotomies of friendships too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? I mean, yeah. you, uh, there are definitely people who you know, you'll have a good time, nice wine dinner, right? And then ha and then leave and no issues. And then there are these friends there that you just got to blow up all the time. Yeah. Get down and dirty, deal with the mess, right? But yeah. those are those friends. Yeah. And, and uh, they're... And relationships. You know, they're... They're uh, sometimes very powerful impact, have a very powerful impact in your life, too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that yeah, out of that, you know, that that kind of angst that we're talking about. Or so was it jarring flux. to come back to Pittsburgh then after all? Well, I got I, um, I got to tell you, it was it actually turned out to be um, very, uh, very invigorating to me mm. in, in um, the hills, the, the topography here. I had, you know, we visited every year. We were here all the time, but right. we were. You know, your we family here. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you being here every day and <coughs> being along the river and watching, seeing the rivers and the hills uh, was very, in the clouds, the way the clouds There are hills move. here? Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and rivers? Lumpy. Lumpy rivers. Lumpy, lumpy yeah. rivers. Yeah, sometimes the rivers are lumpy. Yeah. Um, that was actually real stimulating to me. Oh. And um, I also found that the arts community here was really strong. And um, I began, I, f I feel like I built a network here so much faster than I did in Boston. And in some ways, the network f almost feels deeper because, you know, Pittsburgh is such a maker Right. Town, you know, yeah. a lot of people making stuff, you they know, are, yeah. and they're real craftsmen. They really are, yeah. And real hands on. Real too. hands on, so much yeah. Skilled back here, yeah. Yeah, and like, 
like I know I know now if I needed somebody to do welding, if I needed somebody to finish carpentry yeah. or rock carpentry or, or build or, a bridge or build a bridge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or like Johnny down the street, like glass. built a bridge last weekend. Yeah. I, I it really is amazing. I'm so I feel like now <clears throat> I need something for a project. I can kind of tap in quicker hmm. and get to uh, get to um, options faster than I did in Boston. But were you able to build a community of artists here because of the fact that you knew when you came back <coughs> that you were in fact an artist? Because when you left, uh, so I kind of yeah. see like I see your yeah. acts in I see your play in three acts right now, Linda. <laughs> the final part act. three, <laughs> part three, the return. The return, yeah. Right, and oh we're in the gosh. midst of the part three right here. Yes, yes. Oh, but you w- know, but there was an acceptance of yourself. That that's got to have artist, something right? to do with it. Yeah, that's got to have something to and do with it. And there's a sense it. of purpose there. And there's a sense of vision. You know what you want. Yeah. And you know how to achieve it quicker. So I remember when I first like within the first year, I had a real broad uh, kind of lens on who was doing what. Yeah. And where I should be. And now was that it on a napkin or. <laughs> no, I got a lot of room up in here. <laughs> you can't believe the shit that's up in oh. here. <laughs> That's part of the problem, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's there's yeah, all it's kinds like a library of library in there. I don't even. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the noise in there is yeah. unbelievable. Um, but uh, now you know I could feel I've sort of I've sort of like narrowed that lens a little. Hopefully I'm not missing things, but it's more directed, like right. it's like a laser, like I could cut right. through and I, I know. But you can also sift through all the bullshit too. Yes. Now that you weren't able to in the past. Yes. Yeah. So that comes with experience. Which is huge. Yeah. yeah exactly. That that does come with experience. And I've met a great group. I've got a, um, I'm, uh, there's a crit group that, that has formed and it's, uh, it's got guys and women, which is always great yes. because you know, <laughs> so many times in the past I've been in like these crit groups. are just like all women. Yeah. Um, this is almost 50, 50, which is pretty phenomenal. Oh, wonderful. And, um, diversity. And so these are people, now. these are really people who are work. They're, they're, they're no bullshit. You know, these are no bullshit people who are really driven and you know it's funny like the stereotype of the artist is being uh you know there is the angst part and that is that is and i think that there's always that danger when you're really in touch and when you're really uh, a sensitive person as many artists are that that could get to you right but this kind of notion that artists are sort of like oh well whatever you know and not very organized everybody i know who makes it in art are extremely organized yeah and maybe not across evenly across the spectrum of tasks you know but certainly with their practice certainly with you know um uh, their work ethic um you know getting into the studio and putting the time in that is the only way you know you discipline yourself you're in there wouldn't it be nice though if you just were found by a stroke of luck (laughs) via one painting and oh honestly yeah it would be nice and that's happened to people yeah you know but i don't think it happens to many people no and and i think the percentages are against you they're they're way against yeah and at this point i've i've resolved that that that's you know probably not going to happen for me However, you know, I, I look and say there's so much more to be done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some great role models like Louise Bourgeois working into her 90s. 
uh, and uh, there are there are a number of uh, women artists who really didn't find. So I'm I'm focusing on you know I think the '70s is going to be great, you know, <laughs> so which is a ways away, but yeah. but I'm looking for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I just kind of ran off on that. Maybe I'm thinking, oh shit, '70s. I don't want to get. But uh, yeah, I do and I don't. (laughs) I mean, but that's getting near the end, let's face it. Yeah, but what about the other facets of your life where you've really played an integral part in this biotech entrepreneurial ventures that you've worked with with your husband? Because whatever happened to the first venture then where he had spun off on the CMU project, was that... Uh, was oh. that something that he had cre- that you guys both had created and then yeah well the first thing was yes. his uh, his own thing and that was back when we were in Salem now That's right. now this venture um, we're in year six. Oh my goodness yeah and we're just coming up to a big fundraise and this so. and this truly is a startup in the sense of a startup right yes it is yeah yes it is and uh, <coughs> we're hoping uh, things are going well in the lab did and you we're guys hoping to did you guys bootstrap it the first time oh yeah yeah, I mean, we've, we've, uh, the very first time, yeah, we went into savings. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we whittled that. Credit down. cards, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. And, and we had it because, um, uh, you know, we never had children. We, we did make a choice to never have children. Mm-hmm. So we had all the funds that everybody else is spending on, <laughs> on, you know, braces and <laughs> oh. sports. Oh, my God. And I got to. Yeah. And, and, and schools and prep services oh and clothing and, and activities. So everything is so expensive. And Anything good and worthwhile is so expensive it for is. kids. It is. So, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, I never. So I've always felt on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you talk to many artists. They're going to tell you this. Yes. Um, I love artists, by the yeah, way. You told me that. Yeah. I, nice. If I could do anything and everything in my power to support artists. I, I am there for them. But, you know, you're... And you're I've had many in the podcast. Yeah, and, and, I and what you're doing them. here, this is creativity. You know, this is this is your art form. Yeah. And and it's great. Yeah. Um, but I think <coughs> that, that if if you talk to, to any artist, I lost my train of thought. Do you <laughs> notice I was trying to stall there a little? Can you help me out a little? <laughs> well, we were talking about the entrepreneurial ventures. Oh, yeah. And the biotech startup. And you guys bootstrapping the whole thing. Yeah. And it's at it's and it's at it's sixth years and it's at the sixth year. Yes. And it's a startup. Yeah, but that in the true sense of the word. You tried really valiantly. I'm going to give you a lot of credit for that. (laughs) 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 But it was more about oh, it was different about it was about being an artist. Um, it'll probably come back. Yeah. Well, I I take it upon myself truly to uh, to really support artists. In locally and anywhere else, uh, you know, I think they place a high value in the culture and the community that many people really have let go of these days. You know, I mean, when you look at even the politics and the the national landscape of things, the first things that cut is arts. It's always the National Endowment of Arts and Education. Boom. See you later. Yes. And and it's despite the studies that show. That's right. That um, that a grounding in arts will will give the benefit across the board uh, in creative thinking right. across disciplines. Right. But I did catch it because I had a little cheat sheet note here. Hey. Um, that artists are observers, and it's not uncommon for an artist to feel on the outside. And even si- ever since I was a kid, and you know, as I told you, when I was eleven, feeling on the outside. Yeah. Of, of religion and feeling, you know, that, that, that wasn't quite 
meshing with you know what I what seemed to me to be the way to be. Um, and I, I think that uh, that there's a there's a little bit of an inherent loneliness there. Mm-hmm. And um, additionally, uh, I never really had the kind of vision of myself as a as a mother. Mm. So as a woman, yeah. not mm. having a child, that also ha- there's some cultural ramifications and pushback to yes, that. Yes, that's right. And people look at a you dis- kind a of distinct minority. Funny. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they look at you kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it's like being secular, you know. <laughs> like, uh, well, so what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> what's wrong with Johnny? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I think that that um, that that was something that that again, you know, as an artist, being an observer, uh, there are plenty of women artists who are mothers, but just for me, that's my story. Yeah. I. I, I think I might have told you this when we had our conversation when I had this rem- this memory that when we were kids and we would play house uh, I never played mommy or the baby I used to want to be the horse <laughs> so I'd like you were the worker I was the, I was like I'm the horse I'm out the, no I was running around the yard oh, basically I, <laughs> I was not working I was eating grass and yeah. you know galloping a lot of galloping uh-huh. <laughs> You're uh, free. Yeah, I'm yeah. free. So, so when Scott and I got married, and you know, we're coming into the period of time where, um, you know, you're supposed to have the kid, right? Yes. And and people are asking you. Yeah, and the biological clock is and ticking. the clock yeah. is ticking. And I actually had problems with with fertility. Yeah. So oh, so many do, Linda. Yes. It's so it's so common and pervasive these yes. days. Yes. So we began the process, right? You know. Oh, you tried. And well, let's put it this way: this is how much we tried. <laughs> We had an appointment. Yes. And we were at a red light. <laughs> yes. And I turned to Scott and I said, "This is going to the fertility clinic." This is going clinic. to the fertility clinic. I turned to Scott and I said, "Do you really want to do this?" And he looked at me and he said, "Not really. I'm doing it for you." And I said, "Well, let's forget it." <laughs> Cuz I don't think I'm into this. That was a deep conversation. It was it? real deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all in the all in the passing of a light. Yeah. Oh, that's good. From from red to but green, it's, but it's not for everybody, Linda. And everybody should be able to make their own choices whether or not to have any kids. And there certainly are people who have way too many kids than they should, like one too many kids than they yeah. should. Yeah, I I just didn't you find wish them that that was how I was going to yeah. get my meaning. And you know, we got to have kids to keep this whole project going. Mm. Um, and I I admire people. I really don't think I was cut out for it. Mm. Um, I think with the you know the way my mind works. Um, Carrying around the concerns of a child might have I might have imploded. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I it might have been a self preservation thing. Never identified it as such until now, right, kind of. Right. But uh, I but I never had the maternal instinct. You know I didn't I didn't role play that way as mm-hmm. a kid. You know mm-hmm. I had a horse collection of uh, horses. You know I had a couple baby dolls, but they were pretty quickly left beside. So you know we're all different. Yeah. Well, you certainly nurtured your career. And you certainly nurtured the entrepreneurial ventures yes. with your husband. Yes, it's and we we, so we th- you know so yeah. I, I'm lucky, Scott. Um, we have a great relationship, and uh, and I and he's and told me that I do help him, that I've inspired him. Yeah, and you've taken a step back in your role in this startup. Yes. So where is this company at right now? Uh, the <coughs> the company is in, in the South Side, looking mm-hmm. at a move to expand, mm. um, working on the biggest. Uh, a fun financing round and uh, this should be happening shortly 
and we'll pro- they'll probably be doubling the size of the uh, workforce. How many employees do you guys have now? There's only six now. Six, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's counting Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and really uh, on target to getting a uh, uh, drug in the clinic in a couple years. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. You know, uh, when, uh, let's say, I was taking a business course at HBS, I think it was an entrepreneurship, and uh, there was a matrix. It was a matrix that uh, our professor showed us, and uh, the hardest industry to get into, uh, the two hardest, the most difficult industries, and it was and it was separated by uh, knowledge and time. Ah, yeah. And the two hardest industries to get into in terms of the greatest risks associated with the amount of knowledge that's required yeah. to succeed as well yes. as the amount of time that's required yes. to succeed. Number one was in the pharmaceutical industry, yes, which is where you guys are at. Yes. And number two was in the wine industry. <laughs> 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 and that and those two yeah. industries those two industries were right up there at the top right corner of the matrices. And yes. everything else, you know, you can tell like, you know, the restaurant industry has a very low low level of entry and so that you know it would be in the first quadrant or it would be in the third quadrant yes. and you know and, and various different industries uh, that depend upon knowledge but not as much money so on yes. and so forth that's a rough industry to get into and yeah it is rough and, and uh, what's what we're finding is that that uh, and the payoff is so small because if you look at yeah. like Pfizer yeah. they were losing money left and right until they found Viagra and Viagra the one drug became their 70% profit margin money maker yes. for the company that sustained them for decades yes and that was an accident too. yeah and, and it was and it's crazy these stories the are way just they the found craziest. it was an accident right you know the story of that I, I do yeah yeah the hypertension yeah uh, anyways and a lot a lot of these drugs that are made are because of these accidents or yes. happy accidents that yes yes so so that's where uh, Scott is a real turn the you know turn the problem upside down outside of the box thinker, and he's been in the industry for long enough uh, that he's got stature. Mm-hmm. So when he talks to people, it becomes really apparent that he knows his shit. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a interesting combination, and and this will probably change because as the company grows, he's going to have to become more, uh, uh, you know, uh, siloed in a way. But right. um, He's CEO and really chief science officer, and he is the guy driving that science. Honestly, um, his ideas uh, and then his ability to uh, analyze data. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's a computational chemist as well. Oh, okay. So um, he's able to take the data and then push it through individual means of representation and really fine point with really low error bars. That's their <laughs> whole claim to fame. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's a hard task. Yes, it is. It is. But he's good at it. So. And uh, and Linda, you know a lot about this stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you I know I what I appreciate about you is that you're able to talk to the layman with a high school biolo- biology degree <laughs> <laughs> and be able to lay it out so that they can understand exactly what's oh, going on. that's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I've been, I, you know, Scott, as I said, we talk, we discuss these things all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I've been with them all along the way. Since day one. And yeah. yeah. A- and uh, so I understand. And in fact, you know, I, I was initially in, in uh, chemical engineering. That was my first, when I went to school, mm. uh, that was my first major it didn't last long because it didn't it wasn't me 
So I, I bailed on it. And yeah. plus, I didn't want to work that hard. Yeah. Back then, that was Penn State, you know, yeah. Happy Valley. I didn't want to work that hard yeah. to, f- to force the math. I, I have to force math. I understand concepts really well, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in, in my mind but in, you didn't in shy relational away from, But terms. you didn't shy, shy away from stem fields or anything, right? I mean, they come no. somewhat natural to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, you know, I, I am doing uh, bookkeeping and accounting for, for the company now. So How do I And know? I'm really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's what are your rates? How can I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think if I, I wanted to, bookkeeper yeah, if I company. wanted to, I could probably do that 100. percent I've actually been offered by a number of people. It's a skill. It is a skill. Oh, and and no and no startup uh, founder wants to do bookkeeping. Like I, no. I literally have no nobody who started up a company who really relishes bookkeeping. Oh no, that's you know, they that's just they just forget you know, about it. Yeah. They they are all idea guys and so they everybody who's in that field they want really the company succeed. They want to spend their entire time thinking and strategizing and yes. creating rather than the numbers. But the unfortunate thing is it's necessary. Oh, it could be a drag, but but especially <coughs> when you're creating but but the thing is that for me it's funny cuz I think it plays that again that balance role that yin yang right. balance when it's all free form and flying in the studio. All right. And then, you know, if I could if I could make sure that we're in balance and reconcile and 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 yeah. you know, uh, make journal entries and and that's so you know when you did that right, right? right? You, there's it's a very finite yeah, to the decimal. Ta- you yeah. know when you got it. That's right. As to where it's like, what do I got? You know, it's like, yeah. I know I got it. What do I got? It's two sides of the same coin, yeah. all in one head. And you have, <laughs> such, uh, you have such a diverse skill set that you have built over the years, Linda. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really a fascinating uh, look and see through to see that about you. Ah. So, Linda, do you yeah. have any other things going on here locally in Pittsburgh? Well, I've I got know you something. Have a show. Yeah, you know what? There's something. <coughs> I, I, well, I've got right now the coming down probably before this airs. Uh, I'm at the Pittsburgh Center for the Arts, some of my 2D work. Uh, and then next year is probably too early to really talk too much about it. Mm-hmm. But what I'm psyched about. A little teaser. It's a little teaser. Um, I looks like I'm going to have a residency. Oh. And, uh, and a uh, show in, in a space that I've been looking at here that is just perfect for what I want to do, which is to engage <coughs> with the public, have a collaborative component, and then really push my video projection uh, wall drawing installation art to its uh, to where to its to the level I've been thinking of when I left it behind really uh, in Boston, mm. um, multiple projections mm. and really an immersive environment, mm. uh, and I'm going to use a lot of indigenous to Pittsburgh, uh, s- you know. Uh, scenery, uh, of, landscape. I'm going to take ranch the landscape. Oh no, no! <laughs> <laughs> Just a flow of ranch all over. And buffalo wings. And buf- and <laughs> even though it's buffalo, I can buffalo see is close. This will be real popular. Yeah, no, no. Uh, the, the forms of the landscape yeah. and mm-hmm. the flow of the rivers, and but but you know when I take it, it gets it gets. Uh, uh, what I like to do is really transform things so that you're like, wow, what am I seeing? Sounds exciting. What am I seeing? So yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm really looking forward and to that. And so I'm assuming uh, what I can hear from your voice is that the space also uh, is going to lend itself for this installation to be successful. Here. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. It must be nice for an artist to go into a space, see the real potential in that space and, yeah. s- and really envision and imagine things. Yes. Hmm. 
and and the grounds. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Because when I go into a space, I'm just like, okay, is the lighting good in here? Yeah, the yeah. temperature is a little <laughs> off. Where's the bathroom? But <laughs> very important. Yeah, very, but, but you see things a lot yeah, different. Artists that was that was down on the list yeah. this time. So yeah. That's that, exciting. And when yeah. will that occur, do you think? Well, I th- it's probably going to be the fall of 2020. And will this be a revisitation of installation art that you haven't done uh, often here in Pittsburgh? Uh but, uh, explain. So, so, ha- so, have you done installation artwork here in Pittsburgh I d- as I've much as you like? Well, I've done two, uh, three pieces actually. Oh, you have. I oh, okay. did. One was uh, back in 2012 at the Arts Festival, which was a really s- trippy s- piece that was like 10 by 10 crazy thing that gotcha. was uh, really about the force of water. Mm. Um, and then I did a funny little piece. W- I'm I'm a member of the Associated Artists of Pittsburgh. That's right. And uh, AAP, yeah. Yes, and there they had a uh, their annual last year. Uh, it was in a funny place in Southside. It was an old H and M, I think, uh, yes, retail that's space. Right, that's right. And they had the dressing room. So I did kind of a forest a forest scene. Well, forest in a dressing room, but in it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. It, it was kind of. Well, it, would you say forest? I don't know, but people a mini forest. It was a mini forest, yeah, yeah a mini like a forest. Narnia of sorts. You it open the ex- dressing room. It was and a forest experience yeah. in a dressing room, but it was when I say that. Uh, and that went on for about a week or so, didn't it? Oh no, it was about. Uh, it was a little over a month. Oh, it was a month. Oh, was a you know, I oh I remember. I remember. Maybe the, there's an opening. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I when I realized that it was happening. There was only a week remaining, so. But then you created this little forest inside of a dressing room in an old H&M where AAP were exhibiting the artist's work. With a video component Mm. that I'm actually probably going to be using some aspects of that going into the next two pieces because I recognize uh, some of the imagery in there I think I'm going to take. But uh, the biggest compliment to me was that um, there was at least one individual who came back three times and spent... I was there to shoot pictures, and there was someone sitting in there, and they saw me, and they said, oh, do you have to do that right now? And I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work Got on me. some other things and, yeah. you know, just spend a little time. 20 minutes later, they were still <laughs> I'm, <there. laughs> I'm like, oh, I really might. But uh, that was the biggest compliment to right. me. So that's what I hope to get, to, you know, that is the goal. If you can have somebody spend time oh, gosh. in the space and, yeah. and, and feel uh, you know, many people often say that it makes them feel calm. Or yeah. and, and I'm not saying that the work is even calm. I think maybe it just plays with the brain in a way that's very satisfying. Oh, that's such a refreshing story. Because uh, when you start to look into building a business or brand on YouTube, Facebook, social media, much of the conversation revolves around fighting for the time yeah. of the individuals Wha- yes. You know, and and so lots of the creators and things, the uh, social media influencers, they create things just specifically so that they can gain the valuable minutes of viewership that every other entity in the world is also trying to do, and it becomes this rebellious and aggressive space. What yes. you're saying is completely antithetical to this, and yes. it's really refreshing. Well, Linda. we're seeing the trend, right? The yeah. slow food movement. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And then in uh, museums. In Italy, right? Because of all the fast food coming in and lots and, of and the yeah, restaurants and saying, country, let's just take too, a sit down. You know? yeah. yeah, just let's, uh, Enjoy let's do local ingredients. Right. Let's take time. It's gonna. You're not going to get your meal in 10 minutes. Right. It might take 20. That's right. Um, and then there's also, so there was a study, uh, the museums did, 
that the average person spends, I think it's 27 seconds looking at a work of art. <laughs> sounds sounds too much, actually. <laughs> sounds, uh, sounds 24 maybe it's 14. seconds too yeah, much. Yeah, I, right. yeah, you know, I might have gotten that completely wrong because I'm so appalled at what the truth is. Yeah. So there is a slow looking uh, uh, movement, movement okay. in museums now where they are limiting the number of pieces and they have sort of a, a, a facilitator who's sort of bringing people into the work and then just teaching them how to spend time looking through the work. And just appreciate and the work. And, 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 and actually see things. Yeah. And <coughs> this brings to mind one other thing. Uh, so some of my work tends to be very complex. And, you know, there's some people looking just, uh, that's just too much for me, you know. Uh, I was juried into an AAP show uh, a couple years. It was the annual when they had it at the, at the Carnegie Museum. So that was just fun in and of itself. It was one of the most complex pieces that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I brought it, you know, you go through the process where you bring your work to the jurying mm -hmm. and you run into other artists bringing their work. Yes. And people look and they go, oh, uh-huh, you know. I see three people oh. sitting behind a button that goes, ah, and a big X sign. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I remember I yeah. ran into somebody who I know would have had, pr I would have predicted would have had problem with this work. Yeah. And they did. And uh, so you I, knew going I into left, it. I left there thinking that work will never get selected. Mm. And happy surprise, it was selected. And mm. the juror was a, a, a writer, uh, an arts writer from L.A., mm. which was really cool. AP actually paid to have her come out. And when I looked into why she would have selected the work and looked online to see what she wrote about, she wrote about slow looking. Ah. And she talked about the experience she had. She had realized herself mm -hmm. as a critic and writer, she was spending so little time looking that she challenged herself to slow down. And she went to one of the galleries where she knew carried some really complex abstract expressionism. And she said, give me your most complex painting for a week. Mm. No, actually, I think she had it for a month. Hmm. And um, she would sit there and, and look at the piece for like a half an hour at a time over the course of this month. Probably not every day. Who has time? But she found <coughs> that what happened when she did that, how the work opened up and right. layers of relationships that were in the work that she had not seen on first, second, or third glance oh, began to reveal themselves. And then she noticed a very interesting thing. She noticed a halo effect. Mm. This enhancement of her seeing, of her perception, uh, from that, that interval of deep looking, slow looking, mm -hmm. transferred as she went out the door. She, it was almost like she was on some kind of a drug or something. Huh. She was seeing things more clearly, colors more clearly, shapes, relationships. And that would, that would halo, there would be sort of like this halo effect on, right. on, on, the, on the end of that. I feel the same thing happens when I turn over concepts and ideas that I had either read about or had decided to really investigate a little bit deeper at its initial starting point, it's some, you know, let's say a, like an insightful viewpoint. Like for example, I read a uh, uh, Harvard Business Review case on the idea of the difference between operational efficiency and strategy. And the idea of both cases was that operational efficiency it requires no trade-offs, while strategy requires a trade-off. And those are the really big differences. And it didn't really speak to me until I started to think about it more. And then once it became more apparent on the applications of my own business and my own life yeah. and dealings, 
it became a lot more pervasive and the whole world opened up in the way you, I need to think about things. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine the same thing happens yeah. in art and so literature. So that's in a more conceptual way with right. a deep focus. And then this is in a visual way. That's right. So, And uh, it's amazing how it happens when you turn things around in your head over and over again and think about things and revisit it. It, it really becomes beyond insightful. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Linda, uh, what a wonderful conversation. Yes. Yeah, and what a great ending. Easy. What a great ending, <laughs> yes, to uh, to your life and to your artwork. Um, I know you, can you, uh, let's, can we specify some of the dates here? Uh, I know that you have the feminist futurism in Boston next year. Yes, at the Boston Center for the Arts in February of 2020. Gotcha. And in Pittsburgh, if this installation artwork comes around, when would we be expecting that? I, I would say that's September or October of 2020. That sounds great. Yeah. And where can we find your artwork? Ah, well, you currently I think you're showing uh, um, at a uh, couple of spaces, aren't you? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm currently at uh, <coughs> at the Pittsburgh Center for the Arts in their show, which is down April 29th. Down so April 29th. Yeah, so that may okay, not make it. this, but um, I'm hoping. And well, you have a website? Yes, I'm hoping to. There's a, there's a new space coming into town, and I'm hoping to get in there. Oh, as, wonderful! As a gallery, How long have you, know? you been in your studio space currently in uh, Lawrenceville? By that I mean the gallery space. Oh, the gallery space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wonderful! But that's that's also nascent. That's in the well. That's in the works now. Lots of exciting uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so there is there's lots of good stuff. That's happening. right. Yeah. And plus the biotech company moving yes. along. Yes. So good luck with that. Thank you. Hope you guys raise millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> and do good in the world. All right. Linda, thank you. Thank you so very much for coming in. Yeah, and it's been my pleasure. Thank you for being such a gracious and uh, easy, comfortable interviewer. Oh, same here. Same here. We're looking forward to all your artwork in the future and come back again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Bye. <laughs> Linda, that was so good.